What did you guys think of Charlie Cox uh, and oh, he's Matt so Murdock? So good. I want to suck his dick. I also want to. Oh suck his my dick. god. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast. My name is Andy. Along with me are my two wonderful co-hosts, Kelsey and Ryan. And this week. We have a very special treat for you folks. We have a third co-host, a special guest that's joining us. Our good friend Cams is with us on the call, and this week we're going to be talking a whole lot of Marvel's Daredevil that uh, premiered just last week on the Netflix delivery system. Uh, They released the whole season, so we've got a whole lot to talk about. We also had a brand new trailer from the upcoming Star Wars Force Awakens film, and then we had confirmation of Lady Hammerpants' identity, a brand new uh, episode, or I guess issue, I've already made that mistake, uh, with (laughs) none other than Kamala Khan. We got some more continuations from some great image books, and uh, some of us actually read a DC comic this week, so first time for everything. But before we get into comics news and everything, how are the three of you wonderful folks doing today? So good. Awesome. I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a decline there. (laughs) <laughs> I, I was wondering, though, I, I'm one of the third co-hosts, so uh, Andy's the host and you two are co-hosts. That's, cool. I, I wouldn't stand for that. That's why my voice is first on the... That's why you hear my voice first. He's Beetlejuice. He's the hostess with the mostest. Humpway <laughs> holds everything together. Ryan and I just show up and talk shit to each other. Was that really yeah, a Beetlejuice so. quote? I yeah. believe so. Yeah, okay. he's talking about the girl and he says that she's the hostess with the mostest. Oh, okay. It just felt off kilter for yeah. Beetlejuice to refer to himself as a her. I'm fine with that. All right. I figure Beetlejuice's sexu- uh, you know, like sexual identification is pretty fluid, right? You know, sure, right. but it's, it, it just seems out of character. Like, I'm not saying he would be in any way, uh, you know, hostile about it. It just seems out of character. He is pretty overtly, like, sexual yeah, towards women. Yeah, but very masculinely so. sexual. Yeah. 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 Well, because it's Michael Keaton. So. Yeah, I'm just making sure we have the voice of Beetlejuice, correct? Correct. Got it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, you know, is the voice of Beetlejuice all that different from the voice of Michael Keaton? I think it's pretty much one of the same. Like, let's I, mean, I think Michael Keaton's voice is fake and Beetlejuice is his actual <laughs> voice. See, I see it as more Beetlejuice is like Michael Keaton's ego, sort of like uh, in Birdman, the, the Birdman that he kept seeing and talking to him. That's the Michael Keaton's ego coming out. Beetlejuice yeah. was an earlier iteration of that. Okay. I wish I could get myself pep talks, pep, pep talks in uh, Beetlejuice's voice. I think I'd be a lot more successful. Oh, Beetlejuice is not Birdman's. <laughs> yeah. I think I would prefer Beetlejuice to Birdman. I don't know. He's eh. a little bit more exciting. Birdman would just insult me the whole time. That's true. Yeah, but it, I feel like that's what you need sometimes. A real like, hey, get up, you weakling. Oh, just so you know, you can fucking cuss on the cast. See, the yeah, I had to stop myself there. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that I know we had been kind of clean beforehand, but you can absolutely say whatever the fuck just you want. Checking. As long as you don't mention he who should not be named, because that's a no-no. Yeah, that's our only rule. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, this week we had a little bit of news. We really kind of just decided we were going to forsake the comic news for the week and just go uh, deep on the Daredevil series, which uh, is exactly why, <laughs> yeah, balls deep on uh, the uh, Daredevil series from Netflix, which is exactly why Cams is on the show last week. I made notes. Uh, we talked with Cams a little bit uh, outside the show about how much he enjoyed it, and so we uh, made the effort as a cast to watch as much of it as possible, but before we get to that... Today, we had uh, a brand new trailer, the second trailer, from uh, Lucasfilm's upcoming Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and uh, this one, we got a little bit more talking, 
but not as much development. We saw a whole bunch more technology, saw the faces of a couple new characters, and uh, the closing of the trailer has a couple faces that people were very familiar with. Oh, I heard a moan. Kelsey, you weren't, you, you didn't, like, almost yeah, that was cry like a, that, when that, that happened? was more like a sexual guttural moan. Oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> We'll talk about it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and that's because none other than uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca show up at the end of the film. He's or just, trailer, that is. <laughs> he's just such a, like, I don't, I think this is how I can tell I'm getting older. Like, that old man can get it, dude. Like, I don't even care. <laughs> well, it's, it's pretty much the, because, you know, it's a terrible thing for me to say, oh, she's a, she's hot for an older lady. But if you're a woman having discussions about a man... Harrison Ford is pretty much the name that comes up when you think handsome older men. He's yeah, between him and Clooney, like they kind of got that market on log. Clooney's not old; he doesn't age. Uh, No, he's old as fuck. No, no, no. I'm just looking (laughs) at the ladies he's dating, and it doesn't seem like. Well, he's married to like a. Oh, did he marry that uh, that brain surgeon scientist lady? Yeah, she's like a human rights lawyer, or like yeah, she's like one of the best people on earth. Yeah. Yeah. I love there's like an XO Jane article or something like that about her where it said her name and her profession marries actor husband or something like that. And they just like demean the shit out of him because she's so fucking rad in comparison. I love it. Yeah. Amal, Clo- <laughs> Amal Clooney is a uh, lawyer, activist and author. Yeah. Uh, she does all kinds of law, but she very much focuses on like uh, human rights and like yes. uh, extradition. So like international relations and the laws that govern those things Bless. yeah i'll be honest i was only really brought uh, she was only brought to my attention at the uh tina fey amy poehler joke on some award show that they hosted i don't know that was the golden globes <laughs> got it i was clooney at the golden globes uh, well the joke was that clooney was getting a lifetime achievement award and i see hmm. that's yeah. how you get clooney to the golden globes all right asked and answered but anyways guys uh so uh the uh like i don't know i know kels i heard you were very excited about the uh they'll start saying we have to wait until christmas is the day that it comes yeah. out so it said on the trailer uh you know so we'll get to we'll get a chance to i guess get more excited over the next four six months <laughs> eight months yeah there's so there you go. Andy. there's, some there's so many there's so many months to just scour the internet for answers to questions yeah <laughs> I mean, like, you know, what I'm really wondering is, like, are they actually, like, creating a new X-Wing Starfighter? Is this still the TC-16, or is it, like, something totally uh, different, you know? I did some pertinent reading on this subject earlier today, <laughs> and then uh, based on, uh, at the Fan Expo, they had, like, uh, models and things with schematics in the back, and people were, I don't remember the details, and I'm not going to pull it up now, because it's so inconse- inconsequential, but the X-Wings in the film are a new model. I believe they're dubbed the T-70s, or something like that. Okay, but yeah, I did read something up on this, and I hate myself. Have you noticed that they have not shown Mark Hamill yet? Uh, well, we saw his arm heading R two D two. I assume it's him because it had a robot. Yeah, arm. I really think it's uh, because he's old as shit, not age well. So they're like, you know what, man, we're not going to put that in the. Well, we're not going to use that as like our hype. One of the early rumors I remember coming out was that he would be a villain figure in the film. Like, however <laughs> serious that would be, but I also just on the subject of how he looks, I think it adds a lot to the character and where he's at in his life. That because Mark Hamill in real life looks straight up like scarred and things so uh, i think it'll add a lot to see you know that stark change from the original movies to now where he will have aged blatantly and he'll gone have gone through some shit yeah an extended 
Star Wars continuity before Disney came out was like, fuck that, it's all gone. I know he was, uh, he had become a Sith Lord, essentially, right? At some point. He went, he went back and forth. I think, like, really early on in the extended universe, there was uh, him becoming evil and trying to restart yeah. the... I believe he was possessed by Darth Vader's hand or something at some point. I I read those books, and I was... By Darth Vader's it. hand? No, yeah, well, that's, it's not... Like, you're thinking he of... he was just holding his decomposed hand? No, like, he never... got his, ro- like his robot oh. hand got cut off and replaced by Darth Vader's robot hand. Like... It was like that episode of The Simpsons where they all get snakes, yes. or where Homer gets snakes to pay and becomes possessed by a snake. You didn't need this. Really, anytime you're having a conversation and someone says it's like that episode of Simpsons, I'll automatically just go yes, because <laughs> odds are, yeah, it's like an episode of Simpsons. It's definitely been referenced in there at least once or twice. But sure. yeah, I mean, it, you know, there's some question marks about, you know, where where the different factions are are going to be after the Battle of Yavin, like, you know, like Ryan well, said. I, some more stuff on that. I, again, this is all random internet forums readings but uh the rebels are now being called oh god the they, yeah they did change the name of the factions I yeah the rebels that, are now yeah. like the federation or something like that and i believe just to really amp up the uh nazi imagery the new imperials are called the first god i want to say reach because it sounds so right but first it's, order first yeah, order the first there you order, go yeah. it's still you know hell of nazi invocations but <laughs> You know, that's that's what they do. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, the whole thing when it comes to, like, the extended universe and I guess what they would call, I think it's, like, Legends continuity now is what the old stuff is called or whatever. But, you know, there's so much of it that it all gets murky. So I, yeah, I'm glad I've, they I've probably read all. more Star Wars books than I've read anything else in my life, and I'm fine seeing that stuff go. I imagine they'll, they'll keep the stuff that's actually worth keeping and maybe throw in references to it. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys read the books, but Corrin Horn is a big character, and I'd like to see him make some appearance in the new films. Because, yeah, you know, Star Wars needs more Mary Sue characters. That's really funny. <laughs> hey, you know what? Like, sometimes <laughs> I just need somebody to relate to and enjoy their whoa, journey to becoming a whoa. Jedi in the book I, Jedi. Andy, I love you, Cameron. Books. I hate you. <laughs> but, yeah, anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of wonderful, interesting characters to pull from in the Star Wars Extended Universe. And actually, just last week, we learned that there are a ton of wonderful characters to pull from the Marvel Universe, something that Netflix has done an excellent job of with their most recent series. This one came out, like I said, on Netflix last week. We got all 13 episodes in one go. And uh, while some people mainlined all 13 until 6 in the morning, that'd be Cameron. Some people took a bit more time to watch it, and so the rest of the cast were all finally caught up, except for me, I've only watched one. And, uh, yeah, we, I mean, as far as the one episode that I watched, it was amazing and fantastic. Unfortunately, uh, life and work have pulled me away, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I know everyone was pretty excited about uh, Marvel's Daredevil uh, that came out earlier this week, so... It got yeah, to guess. a point where I was watching it at work. Were you really? like, I was like, yeah, yeah, I was like, it's slow, and I can watch this off camera. So, yeah, that's what I started doing so I could get through it because I didn't want to be at fucking work when Daredevil was on. You were watching, like, for the first time like that, like on your phone? Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, that's dirty. I don't care for that. <laughs> I had to get through it. It was like I was a junkie, and I was like, I got to get it. I got to get it. It doesn't matter how. Yeah, it was tough that night. I, I Like you said, I, I was up till late, and it, I actually had to force myself to take my sleeping pills and go to bed because I was wide awake and could have stayed up till noon to finish it. But I didn't. So, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I don't have that fucking, kind of dedication. I just fucking shotgunned it like as soon as I got out of school. It's so goddamn good. Oh, yes. All right, because um, last week I wanted to come on and talk about it, but not even Kelsey had watched it, so that's fine. You're all weak. But uh, <laughs> no, I've had a lot of time to think about it. I kind of want to start with the show itself and just talk about it like in a vacuum, not compared to all the rest of the cinematic universe or what it sets up for the rest of the Netflix series, but just the show itself. And it's it's the reason that it's so worth talking about because it's just a good show regardless of anything else like Mm -hmm. it's not like a good superhero show you don't have to give it any qualifiers it is just a straight up good television show it's not one of the best things ever but for what it is and what it's trying to do it achieves it very well every character is likable you can there's no storyline that you get bored with when they break off into their own stories the fight scenes are realistic, which make them fun to watch. Because sure, it's to an extent. I have some. To an extent, like, well, like, really I honest, there. the yeah, fight scenes, not- I like the flavor they go for, but honestly, the fight scenes are one of my biggest problems with the show, but one of the very few problems I have, just because there's not that much to pick out for me. But I just love the fight scenes because it's like watching uh, mini, like, it's like watching The Raid in snippets. See, that's that's why I appreciate it on that level, but it just doesn't have the execution or the polish that things like The Raid, The Raid 2, uh, even Judge Dredd, uh, John Wick, like that level of what the modern action scene is. Like, even now there's things being produced that are just so good that you can compare it to those things and it just doesn't measure up perfectly. But Except it's, that episode 2 hallway scene. Yeah, the hallway scene, which uh, I did read, uh, oh the director did say that it was one continuous cut, even though, I, you know, there are spots where they could have cheated it. But he's saying it was straight up, like, they had the actor switching between shots so that uh, he could come out and stuff. Yeah, so, shout-outs to Oldboy for them totally yeah. stealing it from it. So. Yeah. Which, <laughs> you know, it's Andy, you shut your dirty mouth. Well, to be fair, action scenes have been stealing, like, yeah. so many action movies since Oldboy have stolen that scene from Oldboy because it's, it's genius. Yeah, no. And I, just I, do that to other movies in general. That's why, yeah. like, the shot at, um, like, one of the first shots in A New Hope is straight up from, like, fucking, like, Seven Samurai. <laughs> it's yeah. actually from Hidden Fortress, which oh, the movie is very, very similar to, but yes. Andy, you're just better <sighs> No, I just have a real serious problem when it comes to Star Wars. <laughs> I'm sure they teach that, like, when you go to film school, that's, like, the first class you teach, or is that Star Wars is based off Hidden Fortress. Yeah, and then they talk about the uh, journey of the serfs and uh, yeah, the droids, and then that's actually right. it gets into a really, really interesting conversation about, like, the sentience of droids and, like, how they're treated in the Star Wars universe. Really quick, just because you did move on from Star Wars real quick. Can I revisit a couple things? Yeah, go ahead, man. <laughs> there was, uh, uh, I don't remember the numbers for it, but it's adorable. The little uh, Rolly droid. Something. Oh, I think it's B-71. Something. I think it's B-71, but I'm not sure. I thought it was like B-88 or something like that. Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, just, but uh, Just Google soccer ball droid. BB, it's BB-8 is the, BB-8, uh, is there you the go. identification. Um, at, the, uh, at the fan expo where they did the press conference, they had like a, a legit one of those roll out on stage and it's I, I don't know how they did it because, you know, the base is rolling independent of the head, which is staying on there. And there's no, like, slot for the head. It's just they, they created it in real life. And it's if, real I was, uh, if I was to try and design that for stage, I would use uh, probably, like, magnets inside the, the yeah, top. Yeah, but it, it's also – the head is also moving independent. Like, it's swiveling and moving on the base as it rotates. The movement is independent of the base. So yeah, no, no. There's, like, a, there'd be a magnets, like, inside. Is, yeah, and, a and magnet inside on a gyroscope that you could control – like in the like you know eight directions or whatever welcome to our nerdiest podcast <laughs> oh, yeah. that's why i'm here uh and the last star wars thing i wanted to get is uh 
you all got that it's the, the voiceover is the quotes from uh, Return of the Jedi uh, when he's explaining to Leia that she's a sister and people in his family have the Force or whatever. That's the narration in the trailer. Yeah, but it's the exact uh, same text, but it's not. Well, that's that's what I was wondering is that there's people talking about whether or not because uh, somebody pointed out that like the prequel uh, had tra- the prequels had trailers where there was dialogue narration that was just not in the film at all. But it almost seemed like for this one that that audio was lifted straight from Return of the Jedi, except for the last line, which is, uh, you know, after he's talking about uh, my father had it, I have it, my sister has it, and now so do you. That last line is added, which, you know, it's, it's nothing, but it's, it's pretty much just confirming that the Star Wars movie will be about uh, Han and Leia's child yes. who has force powers and yeah, which will be good. Which we kind of, I mean, I think most people. It's, yeah, it's one of the. That base things, but I, I for a while thought that they were going to try to move away from anything regarding connections to the original cast, but it does seem like they're leaning into it, at least for the first film. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, the, I just want John Boyega to be a fucking Jedi. <laughs> I don't, I, I see him more as the Han Solo type, like, uh... I'm cool with that too, but yeah. I think Oscar Isaac might be that, or Isaac Oscar, whatever. That's what yeah. you get when you have two fucking first names. <laughs> Yo, dude, you can't keep it could be straight. worse. You could be me. I've got three, so. Yeah. Okay, back to Daredevil. Yeah. I, was, I had to think for a second on that. But yeah, Daredevil. Um, beyond that, uh, yeah, honestly, my biggest problems with, because you brought it up, I might as well say it, the, my problems with the fight scenes were really the flippy shit was, I. No, no, it, no, no. It looks <laughs> like it, it's, it's one of those things where I have to do that suspension of disbelief thing where it's like, that, that looks and what I know about how momentum and humans hitting each other, that wouldn't really do anything. And it's kind of used as his like finishing move is always the flippy shit. And he does like really... the flip, the flip where he lands his heel on them. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Like, you would, you would do more damage if you just stomped on them. Like it's just a basic matter of physics. I actually, are... I agree with you there. Okay. Yeah. It's, it really, it's most apparent when, I don't know if we can get to it now, but the, uh, the final fight with spoilers, it ends with daredevil fighting Kingpin. Uh, that fight in what? I found to be a pretty big letdown. Like, it, yeah, the, it was actually over so quick for the amount of buildup that they had for it too. And there wasn't enough like Daredevil. It's been brought up on the internet in several places that Daredevil and Foggy and Karen and Ben actually do very very little to, like, they have very little impact on anything that happens to Kingpin or any of the gang. Like, he's pretty much just brought down by circumstances. Like, there are small King things. King brings himself down a lot. Yeah, that's kind of the thing is, if you watch the show, there's very little that, like, it's it's pretty much the, the key thing that uh, Daredevil and Foggy and Karen and Ben Ulrich do is push him out into the public and make him make a press conference, which kind of puts him out there. And then from there, the dominoes just start tumbling. But other than that, they're constantly searching for ways to foil him with no results. Yeah, I mean, he Kingpin kills one of his own henchmen, which I'm so oh, thank God Owlsley wasn't the owl. Thank oh, fucking well, God. Yeah, it's looking like his. Well, if they do the owl, it'll be his son. Although, yeah, when he mentioned his son, I was like, no, please don't like bring it back well, as some like. But if you want to uh, get onto that, there are. It's it's pretty obvious they're not going to because they set up so many things in just the Daredevil universe that probably won't come back, like the. The guy who made his costume is Hercules, who was a former villain who becomes Daredevil's friend. Gladiator, baby. Gladiator? Oh, Gladiator, yes, that's right. Not Hercules. But, uh, yeah, that guy was like, 
Grecian Roman people. Yeah. Understandable. But uh, that, there's the Owl, Owlsley, there's the the building where Kingpin and his friends are having a party is owned by the Van Lunt group, who's another villain of Daredevil's. There's several of these, like, just name drops and things like that, that probably, you know, they were there because it's nice to throw a wink and a nod, and if they need to later, they can get into it. But uh, And don't forget, Stiltman's costume is... Yeah, when I saw that, that was... Stiltman is now common in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or canon. Yeah! <laughs> I was like, what the fuck Fucking is canon? Stiltman. Um, but yeah. Oh, no, all the setup for fucking Iron Fist, though. That's the business. Yeah, that's, that's the stuff that's most interesting, because that really, to me, the thing I was most excited about from the series, and what is most exciting for me to talk about it, is the the amount that it sets up for the future Netflix series and how they're going to do that, uh, especially with all the, there was very little foreshadowing to anything that would relate to Iron Fist or Jessica Jones. And those are the next two series that we get. Um, Luke Cage. Yeah. Luke Cage. Sorry. What did I say? Iron Fist. I think the only connection to Luke Cage is that Claire's character dates yes. Luke in comics. Well, she's, she is named after. Yeah. Uh, well, she's a combination of Claire yeah, Temple and, the internet and, stuff and Night Nurse. Yeah. I, t- I, I tend to think of it as, although uh, while we're on it, uh, were you as excited as I was when you started realizing that Rosario Dawson was the Night Nurse? Because <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 I think it was probably, you know, 2 or 3 a.m. when I finally got around to that part. And when I started realizing, like, oh, she is going to be the Night Nurse, that is one of the best things ever. Yeah. I got legitimately nerd excited. <laughs> There's a couple like really nerdy things that happen that I got excited about when they reveal Nobu in his costume and he's essentially a hand ninja. Oh yeah. Well it's once you start realizing like, oh no, they're going all in on the things are connected to other Marvel things, and you start reading stuff into it, it's yeah, once he shows up in the hand costume, it's like, all right, for sure, you get stick with a uh, stone who and the uh oh god, the cleansed, is that the name of their group? Yeah, that's the name of their group. Okay, yeah. So we know there'll be some of that stuff, which uh, part of why all the Iron Fist setup stuff is so important is I do th- I wouldn't be surprised to see them use the uh, the Immortal Iron Fist run with the tournament and have Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Daredevil involved in that in some way. Don't you Just, fucking play with my emotions, man. They <laughs> no, are not doing no, the Immortal yeah, weapons, for, but if they real. did, that no. would be the best thing ever. This is why when so, I saw you the other day, I was so excited Gal. to talk to you about it because it does seem like because they set up Madame yeah. Gao as I believe she's the uh, oh fuck, she's the crane mother. Yes, the crane mother. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad we have the same theory because that means it's probably right, um, <laughs> which yeah. would point to the entire uh, Immortal Weapons tournament and with Stick, maybe not Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, but with the way that Stick is talking about. Uh, fighting the good fight and needing a soldier, I do believe we're going to see Daredevil as an immortal weapon at some point, which like, I have a huge smile on my face. I don't know if you can hear that, but it's it makes me very excited at the prospect of that. Yeah, because um, uh, Gao shows up, Daredevil actually tries to fight her and gets his, his ass handed to her. She straight up just fucking slaps him in the head and he flies backwards. No, like she, 10 feet. He, gets a, he gets a palm to the chest. But, oh yeah, palm yeah, palm to the chest. And then uh, she's talking to Owsley, and she's like, "I'm going home." And he and he says to China, and she says that her home is a considerable farther, yeah. a, like amount away than China. So everyone thinks she's either referring to um, 
Kunlun, or she, the crane mother in the comics, is the ruler of Kunzi, which is another one of the legendary cities. Well, it's it's more likely the latter because Kunzi is the uh, realm where Silver Serpent is from, and the logo on the packets of heroin that she is dealing is the Silver Serpent's uh, Steel Serpent's Steel Steel Serpent, Serpent. Steel yeah. Serpent's logo dealing. They even make a reference. They said it, it's called Steel. Uh, ben Yurik says it's called Steel Serpent on the street. Oh, I didn't even catch that. But yeah, so. Yeah, it's it's looking more and more like that. It, at least what we know about Iron Fist is that it will involve the otherworldly sense, the mystical stuff. They're not going to try and do a dumbed down like a just a, you know martial arts karate story. See, It'll like I think I think that there's definitely a possibility with like the clues that have been laid for the seven cities of heaven and for like some of that to be used, but like. I mean, I could see Daredevil maybe showing up in Kunlun, but like, there's no way that Daredevil's an immortal weapon. He doesn't even reside in the city of heaven, so he doesn't have anything to wield. It's, like, um, it's possible that that mm. is all completely separate, but there was enough setting stuff up with Stick and uh, Stone and the Cleansed and stuff connected to that. Like, they were warring with the Hand, trying to fight off the Black God and all that stuff. There's, again, it's it's that's probably the most out there theory. I am very confident in saying that they'll do the immortal weapon series. The daredevil being part of it is just based on what we know about the series and how success or based on the, how Netflix is doing this and how successful, like already you can tell daredevil has been, we don't have any numbers from Netflix or anything, but it's hugely critically acclaimed. People are watching that like crazy. I honestly wouldn't, the way I see it working is that in the next series, the Jessica Jones series, Luke Cage is for sure going to be in it. I wouldn't be surprised if Daredevil has at least two or three episodes in it. And I then, put money Rosario Dawson. Oh yeah. All that, of them. It's why I, I do think it's going to be constantly built where Jessica Jones will have Luke Cage. It'll have a little bit of Daredevil. It might have the night nurse. And then a Luke Cage series, we might get introduced to iron fist and then, have him lead into the tournament, the, his series. There's there's a lot of options of what they could do, but the biggest thing is that the way they're doing it is it would be a minimum of two years before they could even, I believe, start filming on a Daredevil season two, and it seems like they would very much want to do that with how successful it's been, so I would not be surprised to see Daredevil pop up in things before that's a possibility. Did yeah. you see the pictures of David Tennant as the purple yes. man? And I am yeah. glad that he is not literally purple. Although, <laughs> to be honest, I am, and I was thinking about it earlier, I am kind of bummed out that they have to, because it is so important to Jessica Jones and her story, but it's it's just such a bummer of a story. I don't know if, if all of you have read Alias, but, you know, it's it's got no, its ups and downs. All of us have definitely read Alias. Yeah. Um, it's, Jessica it's Jones. Uh, her... I really hope they keep his name Zebediah Kilgrave, just saying. Yeah. Oh, is that is that Purple Man's real name? That is. Yeah, his that's name. his real name, that's, man. That's perfect. <laughs> you can just hear Tenant like squeezing that out angrily, like I am. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> Tenant choose some scenery just as, with the best of them, right? So yeah. You know, I, I think that a uh, Tenant as Kilgrave, we I think we mentioned it on the cast when whenever that came out was just brilliant casting, mm-hmm. and I think that you know, Cam's you're definitely on the right track that like all of these se- series are gonna bleed together. I think that the most likely thing is at the end of all this, we're supposed to get a Defenders series as well, yes, right? That's that's included in my uh, two in your two year estimate. estimate. Yeah. Okay, so then so then like I, I guess it would depend, because if you really do bent, build them all into the Defenders, we'll have to see what the like I guess what, what the, the comic is. Yeah, what or, or, yeah what the threat is and what the comic book like world looks like because like 
I don't know. Like I know when Spider-Man first came out, we saw like a big dip in comic book movie quality for a little bit there. Uh, you mean the the original Spider-Man. Yeah, you the know, Tony like. Mark? Yeah, no, I mean, like, well, what I mean is, when the original Spider-Man comes out, it's like all of a sudden there's a giant boom in comic book movies that get yes. made, right? And then there was a time where like it was like this is really awesome. We got fucking Hugh Jackman oh, as Wolverine. The, the dip before that's what I mean. Yeah, before the cinematic universe pre Iron Man. Exactly. And so what I'm saying yeah, is yeah, we're like, talking about Daredevil, Fantastic Four, Ghost yes, Rider. Okay. Exactly. And so like what I'm saying is that maybe like you know if if at the end of that two years like these same showrunners are still killing it, like I could definitely see what Karen, Karen what you're talking about, and then maybe going back and doing another run of like the things that did best. Yeah, and that's, um, that's why it's so important. I'm actually not sure because when you try to look up the production information, it just says they're done by Marvel Studios. They have different EPs, but it's hard to tell if the same, you know, if they're using the same. Uh, like individual director, cinematographer, writers, Yeah, exactly. All the same crews between them. Like, could they start filming a uh, Daredevil season two while they're doing Iron Fist or Luke Cage? Like, it's. I believe Jessica Jones has already shot. They're probably actually almost done with Luke Cage. I don't I think know, Luke I don't Cage think. is in production right now. I think they're still yeah, shooting it. I think they actually might I mean, have just started. The other thing is too is that like if if there really is like a 2 year lead time, like what's Charlie Cox going to be doing in 2 years? You know what I mean? Like what yes. are some of these what are, are these is Rosario Dawson going to be available to show up in all of these things all the way through? You know. Well, it's another well, thing to talk about Daredevil is that uh and it's I don't know about you guys, but I was very surprised that they killed off Ben Urich that quickly because yeah. Especially for people who have been Not reading Marvel, fast. yeah. For people who have been reading Marvel forever, Ben Urich is that kind of perennial. He is the reporter of the universe. Yeah, and also exists at the Daily Bugle with Marvel giving Spider back. It it's a real missed opportunity to like put Ben into the cinematic universe. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but I do think at the same time, uh, if you're for the like level of characters you could have killed off at that point in the show. That was definitely a good one because I legitimately did not believe it would happen right then. I was I was pretty shocked that they went through with that. I was pretty sure Karen was going to die because uh, she's like one of the more infamous like comic book girlfriend deaths in comics. Yeah, but I feel like writers know about that and it's something that they're aware of and try to intentionally avoid. Although uh, two of my favorite – well, two instances that I love are the two times that Dar- uh, that Karen Page goes to the wives of the men she is responsible for having been killed and gets yeah. forgiven for it. <laughs> that kind of amused me. I have nothing else to say. Um, they, they couldn't uh, – I was just thinking of where like it could – Lead Andy, your uh, iron fist of his aficionado. Does Kulun ever invade New York? Uh, that was actually what I was thinking for a defender style. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, I mean the the closest you get is in a couple different runs. You have Hydra like um, using like the Randall Gate that like uh, Danny Rand's father built inside the Rand Tower to like bring an army from Kunlun into New York or bring an army from New York into Kunlun as well. So they could certainly do that. I mean, there's all kinds of shit that you can do when you open up the Iron Fist universe with, like, um, like the dragons and... Oh, fuck, I can't remember what the name of the people that, like, hunt down the Iron Fists are, or... Um, yeah, it's been too long since I read any Iron Fist. Yeah, but, like, you I mean, there are seven... There are the seven cities of heaven, so, like, that's seven more realms that you can pull from. Um, and I, I, I just hope that, like the tone of each of the characters is well done throughout each of these Netflix runs because, like, I feel like each of these characters is kind of super different in the tone of how they handle themselves. Like, I, Daredevil, Jessica, Luke, and Iron Fist. Like, 
I don't know. I feel maybe it's just me, but I feel like they're all pretty different in terms of the tone for for those. Iron characters. Fist is definitely the most Iron Fist is the most setting out of all of them. Um, I feel like Jessica Jones and Daredevil are very similar. Yeah, yeah that's, as far as tonal. Like, yeah, I was actually gonna say I disagree, just because I do think, especially Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones, with the universe that we've seen established by Daredevil these this first series, I, I can definitely see Jessica Jones live action and Luke Cage live action fitting perfectly into that world. The thing about Iron Fist, and I've been having talks with again random people on the internet about this, mostly because some people were asking why couldn't Iron Fist uh, be an actual Asian person to you know make it so it's not another white guy. And it was one of the few times where I found myself coming down on the side of, well, it's for most characters, I don't really care. But to me, once you make Iron Fist an Asian character, then it's just an Asian character in a magical Asian land doing magical Asian things written by a bunch of American white people. That the whole point of Iron Fist to me has always been that he is a rich white guy who is completely disconnected from the mystical stuff and has to bend into it because greater responsibility calls on him sort of thing. I mean, you could also solve that earlier problem that you had by having, like, not a white person write the comic. That would also <laughs> oh, yeah. solve that issue. But I'm, I'm just saying. And I'm, you're, you're giving a realistic Hollywood perspective, yeah, I understand, you know. I'm not hiring the writing staff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, like, I don't know. I, I've heard, for a long time, I've heard people complain that, you know, the Iron Fist is very much an Asian character or whatever. Uh, and I, I think almost the, the Iron Fist story is actually kind of interesting in that he is like the lone white man in yeah, exactly. the, the universe that he is. It's, it, he has to stand out as the, like, it's why when you say there's a tonal difference, there is for Iron Fist, but it would be him representing the tone that's already been established in the real world tone and doing all this mystical thing with people saying mystical things and him not being interested or taking it seriously. Yeah, I mean, I think the tone for me is more like each of the individual characters are, are like, so different, like, with the lengths they're willing to go to, like, you know, solve the problems or whatever. Sure. Um, but, yeah, no, like, I mean, I think that the note that, like, Jessica and Luke both fit into the same kind of, like, I don't want to use the word box, but box as uh, Daredevil, um, you know, works out really well for them. Yeah. Uh, uh, fingers crossed they use the Luke Cage costume where he's wearing a paper bag on his head. Oh, you're, you're not going to go for the yellow shirt and the tiara? Uh, no, because I was really hoping for a yellow-red I wanted to see the Daredevil suit, and I didn't get it, so... Oh, no. Yeah, the old hot dog vendor Daredevil costume. <laughs> not, uh, not <laughs> yeah. I love that costume. I, I do like... It's so bad. The idea of a blind guy making that costume. It's just hilarious. <laughs> yep, I was pretty much... I was glad that we didn't get another... I'm trying to stay subtle in New York City. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't get another superhero Odrin story that involves the superhero being a, an amazing uh, clothing maker. Like, he had to actually go to someone to make his costume, which... I oh, yeah. yeah. Instead that. of him sewing it in his room. Yeah, exactly. Like Parker. Yeah, it's the... Yeah. You know, it's Spider-Man's my favorite, but he doesn't always need to be a master you know, seamstress. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> It's part of his spider powers. What are you talking about, man? He didn't even make a pattern first. Like, what the hell? No, <laughs> he, he drew it. He drew it on a piece of paper, and then he's like, all right, I got this. And Yeah, this seems easy enough. That motherfucker needs to be on Project Runway. <laughs> back now, in the, in the original Tobey Maguire run, was there even, like, because obviously he had the wrestling costume, which was shitty, but then he just immediately has the perfectly created like synthetic suit, right? It just White comes out left of to right. That's the way they handle that. Yep. Just a one-screen transition there. <laughs> Sure. Oh, Although in retrospect, I've come to appreciate those movies much more as modern camp in a sense. <laughs> I take the first movie seriously, and then the other two just fall in. Really, because uh, I'd say the cult classic. 
the second one to me I can take more seriously than the first one. Yeah, no. Yeah, because no. Well, I mean, you get Willem Dafoe, even though he's wearing a stupid. See, mask. that's that's why I cannot take I can't take Willem Dafoe seriously at all. Like, if he's not playing Jesus, I can't take him seriously. Even then, he's stretching. Well, speaking of people playing roles, uh, what did you guys think of Charlie Cox uh, as Matt so Murdock? So good. I want to suck his dick. I also want to. Oh suck my god! Like, we'll he, take uh, Charlie Cox is—he's the most charismatic motherfucker I've it's, ever seen in my life. I, I was because I was live tweeting like a bit just because I was up late and I needed to put my thoughts out into the world. But he is, because to me, more than Peter Parker is kind of—he's funny, he's smart, he he gets pretty girls and stuff. But Daredevil is the pimp of the Marvel universe. He is. Uh, you, you can find those like uh, image graphics all over the internet of the lines between the superheroes and who they've had sex with and etc. And uh, Daredevil's had sex with a lot of ladies, mostly dead now. But uh, Charlie Cox definitely captured the uh, charming nature of Matt Murdock to a just, god, just a dangerous extent. So good, so so good. Electra reference in the show too. Oh yeah, uh, he he took Spanish to uh, get close to a Greek girl. So, <laughs> yeah. Another, actually, that's probably one of the biggest references that, you know, because Electra means so much. Although the way it was thrown off is kind of weird. But um, I really like Nafrio. He became a sympathetic villain mm. a lot of the time. Oh yeah. I had one problem though when he would like freak out when he's like, "You tried to hurt her." Like he got a little like he seemed handicapped. I th- I think that's something inherent <laughs> to D'Onofrio as a performer. Like. <laughs> Isn't I, I, hate, I agree with you? I hate talking about this. Isn't he like in real life something's off, or am I completely misinformed? It, it, I don't know. Like, I mean, in real life, he could very, very well be a sociopath. Um, well, the, like, I can see that. No, no I, Cam, I, I feel were, what you're saying. I, uh, had this I thought there was something, but I, I will say, I not because I think the best thing the series did. Well, one of the hardest things they did that they did so well was everything about the kingpin humanizing him, making everything he did believable while the thing I'm really tired of in things like this, especially when it comes to crime and conspiracies is having the omnipotent overlord, the guy who always knows everything. If you try to trick him, he's always one step ahead. Kingpin was smart, but he wasn't, he wasn't omnipotent. He was, he was very mortal and we saw that and we understood where he was coming from and it really worked really well. Like when his plans failed, he got upset because he did not expect that to happen. Things like that. I really enjoy that. I think it's, it was, Interesting. I was talking to someone the other day about the Kingpin, and he was basically he basically told me he was like, "I don't know, man. I feel like Kingpin should have been like twice as wide." And I was like, "Yeah, man, but like we're not in a comic book. Like people aren't just like six times yeah, the width of like people we don't and have humans like that." Yeah, like. You Although know. I mean, when you go back to it, like as bad as the two thousand three, I want to say Daredevil was. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan killed that role. Like he, did uh, he was the best job. part of that movie. He yeah. down. That's he was the only good part of that movie. I actually, um, to be honest, I like Colin Farrell in that movie too. I actually uh, like Ben Affleck in that movie too. Uh, honestly, he literally fucking flips. God, he flips onto the street, points at, he points at his head, says, bullseye, Yep, yep. Brilliant filmmaking. Oh my god, you're the fucking worst. Also, Donofrio. Uh, D'Onofrio has autism, slight autism. See, okay, I knew I I was trying to tiptoe around that, but I thought there was something about that. But yeah, and he, like, because the, the first, when he asks out uh, Veronica, it is a very, you know, it's it's like if I tried to ask out a girl, except with a little more swag. Vanessa. Yeah, 
when he. That sounded, I knew that sounded. Yes. Um, yeah, he did that well. Because she says someone tried to woo her wearing a white coat with a purple ascot, which is a um, sly remark towards his actual yeah. costume. Well, and also there's the when she is picking out his clothing, she essentially dresses him like the comic book Daredevil that we've known for a while, which is yeah. interesting. You know, like you guys said, there's definitely some signs that whoever's making this series, they they know what they're doing. Yeah, it's, it's... We can trust them. It wasn't thrown together. There wasn't... It wasn't just thrown out to be discarded. It was... There was a lot of care put into it. There was a lot of building up stuff for the future. It's pretty much what we've come to expect from everything the Marvel Cinematic Universe has meant. And it's, it's always weird when talking about the show as part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it really is. Like, it's... You know, it's movie-quality TV. It's not like uh, uh, Arrow or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Agent Carter well, or man, any of that well, stuff. Man. You watch yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not Arrow. going to disparage those shows on their own, but I'll say that Daredevil looked infinitely better, even just production-wise, than those shows. It was, it was on an entire different level than any of those. I, I agree. I'm, yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think that, like, um, you know, to some degree... The fact that it doesn't hit like the like network TV and it doesn't have like the same kind of weird, I don't know, like I want to say like network TV baggage <laughs> that sure. comes along with it. Um, like I yeah, think they're not getting noted to death and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like I think that like there's much less of like focus grouping, and I think you end up getting much more of giving the showrunners and the creators some extra space to make some decisions, take some chances, and I think that's when you always get like the best in terms of TV or. Um, oh, yeah. Or film. So hopefully Netflix, you know, I mean, admittedly, maybe we should have known better. Netflix has produced a whole bunch of fantastic uh, original programming. Yeah, I had faith uh, in this one. And that know, was so, um, so, yeah, so, you know, we'll get, we'll keep our, uh, we'll stay excited. And Jessica yeah. Jones will be next, right? Uh, do we have yeah, a release Jessica, date for that? Uh, I If we do, it's not until, if it comes out this year, I believe it'll come out like fall, late fall, maybe early winter. I'm not entirely sure, but I believe they're slated to be about five or six months apart each show, and then the Defenders to cap it off. It's been announced, but not, may also debut in 2015. Yeah, it's possible. Nope. Never mind. Totally wrong. At the TCA, Netflix head Ted Serendos said that it would... Uh, would likely not debut in 2015. So we'll probably have oh, to wait bad. until 2016 for Jessica Jones. <sighs> well, uh, hopefully we see some overlap with that. And, well, if Luke Cage has already started filming, they just need to step it up so we can get more Daredevil. Yes. <laughs> so we'll see oh. you in a year, Cameron. Yeah, well, I was, was going to say, we could talk about, like, I actually, you know, this isn't the podcast for it, but I would like to get into the deep philosophy that surrounded the Daredevil series. And because there was, I, it's actually. Other than the show just being a nerd thing, I loved the religious tones and the constant moral questions brought up and the fact that you could pretty much – season two could have come out like in a year and it could have been about Daredevil taking over the hand and taking over Hell's Kitchen and it would have fit perfectly thematically with everything they set up. But, uh, you know, not philosophy comics. That's fine. Oh, philosophy comics. That's 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 a podcast that we could definitely participate in. But yeah. the problem is is that if we had that podcast, we would never finish it because we would just talk forever, I'm sure, about the yeah, philosophy of comics. Like, all of our lives are unfinished works, Andy. You you have to be okay with that. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> if you get me funding for my unfinished work, then I'm all about it. Yeah. I got you. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, I have a lot of unfinished work. It's called uh, credit card debt, and uh, so in some degree, we've <laughs> got to work. Done, man, got to stay off the grid. I know, right? Seriously. But yeah, uh, have me back on in uh, what is it like two weeks when Avengers comes out? I think what I think what'll end up is uh, Cameron will probably be like our comic TV correspondent, where when there's something that comes out that you know. Cameron is uh, excited about. We can bring him on. Cause... Yeah, because there's. I, I I barely read comic books anymore, but there's. I, I don't really. But there's. Uh, you know, plenty of stuff in the universe that I like to talk about. Yeah. And if hey, you I troll Avengers, I will hang your ass up. Yeah. Look, it's, I'm gonna, to be perfectly honest, I'm I'm excited for it. It'll be fun, but I don't have that. Like, it's not like Avengers One where I was vibrating constantly at the thought of seeing it. Now it's. You know, I'm. I'm more interested in how it ends and what it sets up for the universe than I am actually excited for it as a film on its own. Cameron, I'm just saying, like, we're singing it together. Just please don't. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like... Unless you would have to drag me, because otherwise I probably wouldn't see it right when it came out. I might, like, wait a week or two, just go to the drive-in whenever I felt like it. The tentative uh, plan is yeah. that Kells, you, me, and Cams are going to see it at midnight on Thursday, right? Yeah. So yeah. maybe so that maybe that... Fuck 3D. So maybe... Yeah, no, that's a terrible idea. Don't uh, they do the earlier ones where it starts at, like, 6 or 7? I don't I don't like staying out that late. Yeah, maybe we can find yeah, some like that. Yeah, thank you. No, they start... They're yeah. At eight ish, yeah. Guardian, I remember I saw Guardians of the Galaxy on Thursday at like we'll six. We'll coordinate later, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, at we'll any rate, plans later. maybe yeah, we'll have maybe we'll have cams on after uh, Avengers and give us a, 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 a age of yeah. Ultron impression. And you know, feel free for your next episode to I, I will come on and talk about the philosophy of Daredevil. I think there's a lot to be studied there. I'm yeah. being 100% serious when I say this, and I look forward to your call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cams, thanks so much for joining us, man. No uh, we got to get to comics. Love you, cams. So. Love you Hi, too. Thanks, Have buddy. a good one. Later. All right, and he's gone. I was just waiting. For Let's talk shit. Oh man. We love us some cams. So we do. Uh, it's but... nice for the listeners, you know, all eight of them or whatever, to be like, "Oh, that's that guy that they always talk about." Yeah. <laughs> Except Dante will just be like, "Fuck that guy." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure cams have a very similar response to us talking about Dante. So. Yeah, uh, sure. But anyways, uh, unfortunately, Dante and Cameron are not in the comics for the week. Uh, but we do have a whole bunch of wonderful comics that came out from... Actually, we've got a pretty nice variety of comic publishers this week. It's not all just Marvel. Uh, but the first thing we will be talking about is Confirmation uh, in Thor number 7. And if it wasn't... I, I, I want to call it Confirmation. Yeah, they didn't actually confirm anything. They showed something with like say... a gap. Yeah, I would say heavy alluding. Yeah, because even... Um, I mean, I feel like I would make a bet onto the identity of Lady Hammerpants right now. Well, it could be. Super, I super think it's a red herring, man. I'm going to yeah, go red herring. It, that's what I was thinking. Also, in the letters page, then it says, like, no, we're not actually taking off her uh, helmet until next issue, so stay tuned. Uh, so, but, it could I mean, be, but... I feel like it's gonna be one of those things where she's there on the moon, and then some like she's like, "Oh, I have to go get Thor now," and she's gonna turn and like fly away, and then somebody's gonna be like, "Oh, hey, look at the hammer." <laughs> I guess that's po- I, it's definitely possible, um, but just that final page, like I feel like a large portion of those characters that show up with oh Odinson are that was my now, favorite now, thing, best okay, ending now, of all time ever, Lady Armit, get it. That was like, oh wow, that's the best thing you could ever call that. Um, so fucking aesthetic. Okay, so obviously this entire did you see that Russell Dodderman tweeted back at us by the way? Which yes. Just fucking, I gave, I got like a giant erection. I was like, um, 
I'm like, <laughs> I actually just, I actually didn't even get an erection. I just went straight to climax. It was pretty, it's pretty impressive. It's Soft like climax are always unexpected and unwelcome. <laughs> I, I love. I mean, obviously, all three of us are huge fans of Donnerman. Um, and I feel like he just keeps talking, topping himself. Everything with Roz, um, with the rocks on fight, I thought was fucking beautiful. Yeah. Um, all of the acid and just like the oh panels. My God. Yeah, that, that two-page spread where she's like flying through the acid is just like gruesome and gorgeous at the same it's time. It's fucking amazing. Everything he ever does with Midgard is, or with um, with Asgard and like the Rainbow Bridge and just like the connections to Midgard. Big props to him and Matthew Wilson both for just making it always look goddamn gorgeous. Um, but yeah, I have to say that final page. Oh my god, is, is one of the sexiest things I've ever seen. And but here's my question: so <laughs> she's she's talking to Cole, who is the god of fear. Uh-huh. So is this Thor coming out? Is this actually happening, or is it a god of fear thing? Because there are characters yeah. that are there are characters in this circle that sh- like uh, Miss Marvel and uh, Wanda randomly and fucking Natasha. Marvel? Yeah, Miss Marvel's in the top right corner. He means Captain Marvel. Yes, uh, as I say, Captain, Captain Marvel's Marvel. there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, Spider. <laughs> it's like and and uh, Spider Woman's actually behind her, and then yep. Black Widow's to the left, and Scarlet Witch down down at their bottom. So, I just don't know if I was thinking magic. Oh my god, it's a fucking headpiece, dude. <laughs> uh, but I think it's a. Rep- I think it's the God of Fear fucking with her, right? I didn't think that, but now that you bring it up, it's a valid point. I just don't want that to be true because, oh, otherwise they wouldn't have that scene like leading up to it with just like um, Odinson talking to Freya. I don't think there's just some weird characters. Like, I mean, Angela, Sif, Valkyrie, Enchantress all make sense, but the other characters don't. And I don't even know who the two in the back are. Well, he has connections with. Blackwood and all the rest of them because of the Avengers. So yeah, actually, I yeah, think that's true. You I know, don't think it's totally out of place. I think that it's got to. I mean, you, it certainly is right that you know we could. This could be like Cole being like manipulating her or whatever. But I don't think we've seen Cole do such a thing like th- while like working through the Destroyer. Um, and I. I don't know. I think that whole build-up thing where like Freya just like totally backhands Odin in the mm. throne room and uh, like her like on the moon talking with uh, like Lady Hammerpants and shit. Like, right. I, I just think there's like way too much payoff. I think it's it, this is definitely what's happening. I do um, too. Also, I just really want it to happen. So there's that too. <laughs> She's secreting it. Also, guys. <laughs> <laughs> also, what a fuck. Odin is such a fuckbag. Like. Yes. He's yeah. he's the whiniest bitch in the Marvel universe. I don't know that that's true because there's a lot of whiny bitches in any comic universe. Yeah. But Odin right now is definitely fucking top three for. If sure. you're as powerful as Odin and you whine, you're the whiniest because you have <laughs> all that power and you're still whining. Word. It's just fucking annoying. Um, on a separate Thor note, though, can I just say like the first couple opening pages? When we see like Roz like running around inside Rocks on and everything like that, oh my god! Like, if we didn't love Russell fucking Dodderman before, like I do oh, yeah. so much now, even more than I possibly could have ever imagined. Because like her outfit in this entire thing is literally like 
everything I've ever wanted. And it seems super basic and super simple, but like, I just need people to understand, especially people who don't like look at things like through this lens a whole lot because they're probably not females. Um, but the fact that like she's like sexy in this, but not sexualized was like a huge fucking deal to me because that's not something we often get. And like, we saw Russell Dodderman do it with Lady Hammerpants' actual costume. Like, it's kind of, like, sexy in a way, but without, like, objectifying her. Which is, like, a balance that the comic book industry has not really reached in, like, like 80-ish years or something. So, like, yeah, like, in, in all eternity? Yeah. I was just like, how long has it been? <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's literally just, like, so fucking refreshing to be, like... Because I'm a writer, like, I appreciate good story more than anything, and so, like, I'll be, like, wrapped up in storylines, usually, and then I'll be, like, looking at the art to go with it, kind of, like, secondhand, and I'm always kind of just, like, oh, like, let down when I see, like, how it's portrayed, or how, like, some lady's got, like, this weird, like, metal, like, vagina shield piece, but nothing else, like, just stuff like that, but, like... Wait, you mean you don't love like Power Girl's costume? Yeah. That's part of like I don't know if you guys have seen it on the internet, but there's definitely like superhero or superheroine um uh what's it called like costume bingo, I think it's called or something like that where yeah. like the center um it's free space window. is like a um, boob window. <laughs> there's just like other various things. One of my favorite uh, like web comics is uh, JL8 by Yale Stewart, and it's all like the Justice League characters as like eight year old kids in school. And one of them is uh, Power Girl, and one of the days, uh, one of the issues is she's, like, getting ready for school, and she, like, steps out, and her mom is like, you go back to your room right now, Karen, and you change, because she's got, like, the giant boob window showing up. Oh, man, it's just so good. So good. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's super great. Also, the... One like splash page where Dodderman draws out the realms um, oh, when Agar and Malekith are talking. Tree. Yeah, yeah, and the world tree that is hands down like one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, and I want to get it tattooed on my body. Like I just, I love it so much. It's honestly between See that if... or between Mount Rushmore with Howard the Duck's face on it. I don't know. It's a toss up. <laughs> See if Marvel will pay for you to get that tattooed on your body as marketing. I. Yeah, like it's just so good. I, just I was talking it. to one of my friends, and she was saying that she's seriously contemplating getting a nonconformist tattoo a la Bitch Planet. Oh, I definitely have plans with some of my comic book lady friends from the shop I go to all the time, and we're going to get them um, in like three weeks, I want to say. Yes. Uncompliant forever. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> uh, the panel right after when they show the Yidris, the world tree and they have like Dario and Malekith like fighting through the like high elves mm-hmm. as well. It's just like there's so much detail and like motion on the page. And it I mean, it, that's every like page of this entire comic. The the nerd in me really loves to see them kind of like get around the um get around the unworthy wielding Thor with like the destroyer holding it mm-hmm. and like with her like calling it back to her <laughs> and then kissing it when it comes back and saying good hammer <laughs> so good uh, I love it also there's I forget which page it's on earlier but there's definitely a scene where Malekith and um, D- 
Dario Agar are like talking to each other, like in his office or something like that. It's like a couple panels before what we're talking about right now, I want to say. And I literally like all I could think of when I was reading it was like those two should just shut up and make out already. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's so much like weird bad guy tension like floating in the air between them. Like they just need to suit up and just do it already. Stop leading us on. Uh, is Thor eight the final one? Because the page, the last page says to beat concluded. So is it the final one before Battle World slash Secret Wars? I think <laughs> Don't so. Say that. I think so. Um, I think it will be the the last of like in the release cycle before we actually get to the whole Battle World event. Um, I I wouldn't be too worried about the concluded tag though, like just because it also is gonna definitely wrap up this whole arc with like Odin. Um, you know, being a jackass this recent time. Right. I just, <laughs> but, uh, I, I still we'll, want it to ever we'll stop. <laughs> she is, I mean, yeah. So the next, the next issue, the cover is her taking off the, the helm. So yeah, we'll get to, we'll get to finally get to see, but I, I mean, for me, I would be willing to bet some decent money that, uh, Roz Solomon is our, uh, lady hammer pants, but like, I want to believe that because she's fucking awesome, but like Ryan said, it just seems like a red herring. All right, Andy, I'll bet you a Starbucks coffee. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> I will. Okay. Because you can send me a gift card, a digital gift card. So. No, no, All no, right. not the same. He has to bring it to your wedding. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's it. There we go. I'm going to show up at the wedding and be like, here you go, man. It's a little cold. <laughs> He's gonna then I'm just going to buy her in a Starbucks gift card. <laughs> And then I'm just going to dump a bunch of fucking vodka into it and pound it. <laughs> I mean, come on, Ryan. You know me. I would have already had that spiked for you. Yeah. That's yeah, true. That's I, don't know what I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but uh, let's see. What do we have up next? Oh, of course. Uh, G. Willow Wilson, Takeshi Miyazawa, and Ian Herring bring us another gorgeous, wonderful, nearly perfect issue of Miss Marvel. This one is number 14, and... Uh, we get to find out a little bit more about uh, Kamala's new inhuman friend. Ugh. When uh, called it. Called it. <laughs> I'm so I, upset at you for being right. Yeah, fucking, and I, I straight up, as soon as, I've watched so many TV shows and it had the same basic premise where it's like, oh, I'm going to introduce this guy and he's all cute and he's just like me and he's fucking evil. <laughs> fucking do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm gonna need you to say that entire like line again with Kamala's impression and everything, so I can make it my ringtone. <laughs> oh, I just fucking knew it. Like I wasn't even surprised when they were like, "That's the twist at the end." Wasn't a twist for me. I was like, "Uh, cool, Marvel. I already knew that. Give me something I don't know." I was honestly kind of more bummed out about like the escalation in which it happened because it was like, "He's cool. He's cool. He's cool." Oh shit, he's a dick, and then like just. Yeah, when, when nothing leading up to it. When I saw it, got to that page where it was like, where he, all of a sudden he's being a total dick about shit, I was like, man, Ryan's right. Fuck, like, <laughs> uh. yeah. The second he said we're better than all these people, I was like, no, Cameron, stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hated it. Like, fucking Loki is a better fucking match for her than this dude. Like, he was cooler about it. Oh, hipster Viking. He's from Brooklyn, guys. <laughs> I love it. Oh, well, Loki. Um, yeah. His power is essentially just Gambit. Yeah, but not as cute. <laughs> or well, yeah, no, he's not nearly as awesome as Gambit. 
<laughs> Who is though? I mean, I'm not I'm not attracted to this guy at all, but Gambit <laughs> a little bit, you know, like yeah, girl, those red eyes can mm. get it. Um, <laughs> I mean, it just goes to show you though that, like, again, I mean, Marvel has such a solid fucking stable of writers and artists at this point uh, because. Jason Aaron and Donnerman always deliver on Thor. Um, G. Wilson is always going to deliver on Miss Marvel. Uh, she, like, as, as much as we did not want this guy to be, like, an under-douchebag and possibly have Kamala, like, be happy, and, like, her having her first kiss was, like, or almost her first kiss was, like, very adorable and, like, very true to life, I feel, you know? Like, like I feel like if I wasn't a human, that would, like, this is stuff that would happen to, like, people, like, inhumans if they were real. Like, if you were a teenage person with powers, this is what life would be like. Yeah. I love Kamala almost more than any other, like, character in their Marvel Universe right now, just because G. Will Wilson, basically. But as a former 16-year-old girl myself, um, I can pretty much say that I've been there in, like, a pretty similar situation. Like, he was just straight-up human and not inhuman and did not... Go forth and like kidnap me and bring me over to fucking <laughs> lineage and kaboom. But um, point being, like, I definitely can't even express like the amount of appreciation I have for like the reality she brings to that situation. And like, truthfully, a lot of those situations do go south real fucking quick. So like, I get it. But like, just in like a comic book narrative, I'm like, oh well, that was super fast. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. Honestly, I think we're going to see a lot of rush storylines because Secret Wars. It's ruining so, everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just weren't able to, like, maybe, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it definitely seems like, because it, it does take just one issue for him to be like, oh, he's a douchebag. Really, I felt um, like, was her, was Miss Marvel being affected by that? I felt like that was, like, one of the ones that wasn't, no? They all are being affected. Or no, she's just people. one of the ones that's not being canceled or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, there are certain titles that are being canceled, but all of them are being affected. Uh, right, right. Just some less than others. I think I think comics like Howard the Duck will exist a little bit outside of that, like because it's kind of outside of the normal boundaries of Marvel Universe anyways. Um, so that's, I mean, I think that some of those comics might have some leniency, but... Most of these, we're going to be seeing them wrap up their storylines because they basically have a month. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst part of it is that like you get books that you know, like Ms. Marvel should could just run forever essentially, yes, please. and just be the story of you know Kamala Khan growing up for as long as we can keep G Willow Wilson and um, you know, <laughs> just other... interested. Yeah, you know, as, as long as we can keep her on. Um, but I mean, I think we kind of talked about this the other. They were mentioned like I think it was like two episodes ago when we mentioned like Image Comics being kind of like the cool standalone universe where like we don't need to worry about a giant event crossing everything over and messing with timelines. And it, I think, too often the, uh, the like big events and stuff really do like kind of get in the way. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. You know, uh, Ms. Marvel is on that cover for the uh, all new all different Avengers, so we know that she, the character is at least going to stick around. So. Yeah, the character will still exist. It's just a shame because there's comics like um, Spider-Man the X-Men written by Elliot uh, Kalan that's really funny and it's like it's a well-written comic and I really enjoy it because it's just one-off adventures and it can be like really zany and humorous, but they're canceling it because Secret World, so. Yeah. 
Which we it's did get, which we did get like uh, issue was it four or five? It was issue five this week, and so we'll get like I think one more before the secret war. There's one more. They revealed who the mole is, and uh, in this issue, and that they're working for Mister Sinister. So I imagine the next issue will be like a big Mister Sinister fight, um, and then it'll be over. But yeah. uh, God, that's like one of the best like comedy books on the the like. I, don't know. Oh, I always yeah. like laugh my way through Spider-Man and the X-Men. So there's a part in this one where he uh, almost like he sends uh, Glob. Is that his name? Yeah, what Herman Glob. Yes. Yeah, he sends Glob on like essentially what is like possibly a suicide mission, and he's like he's on a rocket and he lands on the ground and he bounces and he's just laying there, and Spidey comes up and he's like, "Please tell us you're still alive." And Glob just holds up a thumbs up and he goes, yes, still haven't killed any of my students. <laughs> yeah, this this comic was just like uh, like great fun all the way through. We got to see a little bit of Beast, a little bit of um, uh, Abigail Brand, uh, the head of S.W.O.R.D. And I, I thought it was cool that we got to see a little bit of each. I don't know. I think the Spider-Man and the X-Men books have done a great job of kind of in each issue giving the individual characters a bit of playtime. But yeah. each one also kind of, like, focuses on, like, one or two characters as it is. And this one definitely um, focuses on Ernst. Um, no big surprise with the way that the comic ends. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, I don't know. I, I love iBoy. I love Rockstar. Like, I don't know. I just like this, like, ragtag team of, like, mutant rejects that they've assembled. And I wish... Yeah, could... it's the really, like, unconventional mutants. Yeah. Like, the only one, realistically, like, who fits in is Hellion. Um, and the rest are just all very odd characters. And I guess Rockslide also to some degree, right? Yeah, that's true. He's part of the actual like full X Men team in uh, Amazing X Men. So. Wait, yeah, Amazing X Men? That's a book? No. Or uh, no. Astonishing? Amazing? It is. It is amazing. But I was oh, just... <laughs> oh yeah, you just we just hate it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the worst. Wait, fuck with me, Andy. Oh man. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, like I don't know. Even like Shark Girl is a great character. Like. I... I, I love her design. She looks so ridiculous. Yeah, but she's like, but she handles like handles business. So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I just love seeing a shark in fucking like preparatory school clothes. I don't know. Yeah, it's a shame that it's being canceled, and I really hope that Elliot Kalan like finds work on another book through Marvel or somewhere else because I think he. I would prefer if he could somehow stick with um, Spider-Man or even the X-Men because uh, it's hard to k- take a book after, like, Jason Aaron was the original, like, he headed Wolverine in the X-Men, um, and he did it so well, and I was worried when they passed the book off that it was just going to be filler until Secret Worlds, but I was, I've been, like, pleasantly surprised the whole way through. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's been, it's been so good to see this, this uh, Elliot Kelly kind of pick it up. And it's been a little bit different. I would love to see him write, like, a wacky, like, zany Spider-Man comic or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, where it's just, like, maybe him, like, Tales of the Spider-Verse or whatever with Peter Parker hopping back and forth. And you get to visit all those other crazy Spider-Universes. Because he writes Spider-Man really well. Like, uh, Yeah, give me some Spider-Ham. I bet he could do that well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, a uh, Spider-Man buddy comic would be a definite A-plus for L.A. Kalen, so... Uh, so yeah, uh, if you guys would like to check out uh, Spider-Man and the X-Men number five, uh, that ended up coming out this week as well. Um, 
I guess what we the the one uh, DC comic that we really uh, that I know Ryan really wanted to talk about this week um, was none other than Convergence Aquaman number one, uh, and this one it's a Tony Bedard who wrote the uh, wrote it, uh, Cliff Richards on the art and uh, John Rausch on color. Blicky Cloonan did a gorgeous cover for this yeah, one as well. Yeah, Becky yeah, which kind of caught my eye as well, like uh, like thumbing through the uh, the solicits. Uh, I was like, oh, hey, that, I recognize that art style. Um, and so, uh, you know, like uh, Ryan, I know that you were the you were the one who really enjoyed this comic. Uh, it's the return of the hook hand. So yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'm trying to, I, I mean, I'm trying to keep up on convergence so I can at least go into one. And like, part of me really, really fucking hates it because it's just the worst god thing that could, like, worst fucking thing that could ever happen. And part of me, like the you know, like fourteen year old me, is like super excited because all these characters that I personally grew up reading DC comics with, because like when I was introduced to DC comics, is because we had like inherited some long boxes with comics mostly from the late eighties to early nineties of DC. So. I was really dropped into the world of like uh, Zero Hour, Wildcats, like right when uh, Wildstorm had become a thing. So like Wildcats, um, Gen 13. I actually really hate Gen 13, but I love Wildcats. And like, you know, Aquaman with a hook was the Aquaman that I grew up with. And he was still stupid then, um, but like he was the Aquaman I grew up with. And I was like uh, a Justice League International, Keith Giffen writing Justice League. And so those are like that's the era of comics I grew up with. So part of me is really happy to see those characters back because I truly like love them and grew up with them. And part of me just kind of hates it because it's just undoing everything DC has established in the last three to four years. But the Sockerman comic was cool. Um, every week it looks like you're introduced to four more factions that are essentially fighting against each other from these bubbles where um, the main character or the main villain, I don't know his name. Talos, Telos, something, something Telos, like that. I think it is. Something like yeah, that. something yeah. like that. Yeah, he essentially has like he trapped all these cities in bubbles, and he brought them to a different world or a different universe, and he takes the bubbles out. And he is basically inducing like battle royale, where he's like, you have to fight against each other now. Um, so these cities are different universes essentially. Um, so Aquaman exists. Um, this city in particular is pre-zero hour Metropolis. Um, so we get like the old school 90s Justice League team with like Joe Jones, uh, Blue Beetle, uh, Fire, uh, Vibe, Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern and such. But I really like the comic because Aquaman is pretty much portrayed as a crazy person because he has no water to go to. He has no ocean. So he like takes over the aquarium. Um, and then <laughs> they use Dane Dorrance, who is a sea devil, who I think I mentioned like one or two episodes ago when I was making fun of Cave Carson. Um, but they actually use Dane Dorrance as like his main like connection and like fully reestablish him in this DC universe as like basically like an aquatic scientist who believes in him. And uh, I mean, basically, a- uh, you know, what Dave Dorrance is, is he's a whale biologist. He calls it as he sees it, you know? So yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Um, it was just a really interesting read, though, because like it's showing Aquaman. Um, he's basically like fighting crime in a city where he's completely out of his environment. Um, he's like a vigilante in the form of like Green Arrow or Batman. 
And it was just really cool to see him kind of out of sorts with himself. And he literally, like, starts unraveling. Like, he's losing his mind because he hasn't been, like, in the ocean and hasn't been able to talk to, like, fish and um, sea life for so long. So just out of all of the titles I read, um, one, it had the most impressive art, um, but also just the story to me was the most interesting out of all all the titles. Because some of them, like... The Supergirl one is fucking terrible. It's like so incredibly 90s and it, it's like the characters she's fighting. Um, first of all, it's it's pre-Zero Hour Supergirl. So that means red-haired fucking Lex Luthor is back. And it's also Supergirl that's not even a girl. She's the Matrix. And she's fighting Volt, Lord Volt and fucking Lady Quark who were minor characters from Infinite Crisis. They were introduced <laughs> in a universe called Electropolis. So, like, the, that fucking comic is hot garbage, and I don't give a shit about it. <laughs> the one other shout-out I wanted to give to DC, um, I wasn't a huge fan of the comic in general. Um, it was probably the best, like, the second best out of the lot. Um, but that Superboy comic with that Babs Tar cover is fucking awesome. Because uh, it, it brings back, like, classer, classic bomber jacket fucking don't mess with the S Superboy. Like, he's got his... His like uh, sunglasses and gloves. Oh, that's a and, rock one, almost. Yeah, right? yeah. Ooh, his, his hoop earring and everything. So <laughs> I, was, I, I love that cover more than anything. Yeah. Uh, no. Again, flipping through there, I was like, "Hey, that looks like Punky Sailor Moon," and I was like, "Yep, yeah, <laughs> that's what it is." Babs, good old Babs, man. Good old Babs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, but yeah, the Aquaman title is one that stuck out to me. Um, the main Convergence title is a hot, like, muddled piece of garbage that, like, I'm really surprised that Grant Morrison didn't write it because that's how fucking confusing and ridiculous it is. Um, but <laughs> I'll be giving Convergence updates once a week until we get this shit figured out. But essentially, everyone seems to think that what they're doing is rebooting the old DC universe. Yeah. Um, but they're they're hardcore pushing, like, the Wildstorm universe uh, Gen 13 was in a comic. At the end of the Aquaman comic, uh, the villain is like dead, sh- dead shot or bloodshot, I want to believe. Dead shot. Yeah, Deadshot, who is a Gen 13 villain. Uh, Demo shows up, who is a Wetworks character. Um, and then the picture, even though none of the characters show up, but the picture for like San Diego, California is one of the universes, shows the Wildcats. Um, so they're really pushing their Wildstorm characters back into the universe. Uh, but uh, speaking of characters from all kinds of different universes, uh, we had a second issue of a time-traveling, I guess I would call it almost like a buddy cop film, uh, and that is uh, Mark Miller and uh, what's the artist on here? Sean Gordon Murphy. Sean Gordon uh, Murphy, man. Sorry, I was, too many words. And Smurfy. <laughs> Murphy, exactly. Uh, Mark Miller, Sean Gordon Murphy, and uh, Matt Hollingsworth on the color for Chrononauts number two. Um, again, this comic I, I looks so good. Like I'm in love with the art for this comic. Uh, and we get to see uh, just exactly um, what has been going on with uh, his with buddy. Quinn. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, this fucking comic kills me because... The first issue, you're kind of like, okay, like this is going to be a serious exploration into like what would happen if we could see in the like in the past. Nope, this movie is basically just like fucking two guys who realize that they can become like the empires of every single decade and have a ton of money. It's like this is Bill and Ted if Bill and Ted were like given more power. Yeah, if they had more time, right? 
Yeah. I mean, and it's just so beautiful to look at. And I, the characters are so good. I don't take them seriously at all. They're like yeah. two big kids. I mean, I think that's exactly what it's supposed to be, you know, in the same way, you know, Quinn's dating uh, fucking Marilyn Monroe in 51. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it, I think Mark Miller and Sean Gordon Murphy are very clearly having a ton of fun reading this comic and uh, writing the comic and drawing it. So I think. I love when they give fucking Jesus a gold chain. Yeah, I know. I wrote that crucifix. in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, it's just so good. Like, there's. I I mean, it's so crazy to see this concept taken kind of to the extreme because too often, like, time travel is kind of dealt with, like, from a kind of serious perspective, you know, like, a lot of times people get into, you know, the minutiae of, like, you know, continuity and causality and how, you know, changing things ends up happening. Paradoxes and shit. Exactly, and, like, things end up changing, but, like... In this universe, like, even though they're doing all these crazy fucking things throughout time, like, there's no, like, you know... Um, Consequence? <laughs> yeah, there's no... I can't remember what the word is for it. Damn it, we let Cameron off the cast too early. <laughs> um, I needed that time travel knowledge. Um, but, like, there's no, like, changes that happen after they come back or, you know, whatever ends up happening. So we'll see where this ends up going. But I'm after two, I'm hooked. Like, I'll be reading three. Um, yeah. It's one of the things I've I've added to my pull list, so. I really, like, we talked about it. I really wasn't a big fan of the first one. Like, I just wasn't feeling it. But, like, this second one, like, changed my mind completely. Like, it's fucking hilarious. It's just a romp through space and time, really. Um, But, like, one of, Andy, you just touched on it. Like, one of my biggest, like, comments on it was, like, how are there no paradoxes ever? Like, they're literally, like, standing in, like, the balcony of a casino looking down on themselves, like, giving each other the thumbs up for, like, coming back the night before and giving them, like, winning numbers for something. like. <laughs> Mark so Miller's just is. like, fuck it, don't care. I'm not, not going to deal with that bullshit. He's Mark oh. Miller. He doesn't give a shit. I appreciate that. I thought it was really funny and, like, refreshing. And as a person who is super into, like, weird sci-fi time travel kind of stuff, I was like, well, that's a different take that literally nobody ever takes. Yeah, so no, I they have him. They have him standing in the in the 14th century talking to William Wallace about how he beat the English, and he's got fucking tanks and artillery. And also, <laughs> I, just, I love that Quinn is such a fucking typical dude because he has the power to go anywhere and pretty much do anything. And what does he do? He buys a fucking Great Gatsby mansion and sports cars and a big screen TV. <laughs> like, yep. I'm just that worried that like me. Mark. Mark Miller is going to do what Mark Miller does and just go like super extreme. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, did you guys ever read Nemesis? Mm, no. So no. Nemesis was a Mark Miller book. It takes place in like the Miller World universe, and uh, Steve McNiven did the art on it, and it was fucking gorgeous. But the entire thing was like the premise was basically like, what if Batman was a villain? So you're introduced to this character named Nemesis, who's like Batman, like like intellect. Okay, At one no. point, I've seen I've seen this. Uh, yeah yeah so at one point because like i enjoyed the comic and the first two or three issues are all set up and you're like wow this is really cool and it's beautiful art but then by the end of the comic at one point he literally impregnates a girl with her brother's semen and attaches a bomb to the embryo so that if she tries to abort the baby she'll explode i feel like we brought that up before like i feel like that's not the first time i've heard that <laughs> which is strange yeah it may not and have so been like, on the cast but we, i think we're, yeah, we've had conversations about this there's always stuff like that 
in my head when I think of Mark Miller. Like, I'm, like, having fun. I'm like, but it's only issue two. What's he going to do to fuck this all up? I mean, he does do comics without doing that, like, super crux. Didn't have any, like, completely ridiculous twists. Um, And I really ended up enjoying that. So I'm hoping that's where this goes. But there's always that, like, feeling that, like, waiting for it. Yeah, waiting for the shoe to drop, and I'm just like, fuck. Yeah, because in this one, they just literally said, well, what could be better in life right now? And then you see, like, all the army guys with all their, like, fucking suits on. Like, don't jinx it, you assholes. God, come on. (laughs) You have to know better. Yeah. Yeah, We we definitely start to see some of it unraveling for Quinn. Like, uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll get to see. Also, uh, that one panel when he's when um he's uh I can't remember the first one's name. Uh, Danny. It's Danny. Danny's the second one. Uh, Quinn is. Oh, oh my God! Psh. When Quinn is trying to talk Danny into like staying and turning off his little locator thingy, and he's like, "You've been with your girl like what, like four days?" He's like, "Yeah." And then you just see his girlfriend like in a different panel. You fucking asshole! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that slayed me, dude. <laughs> I couldn't. I could not. It's great. I liked I think it a lot. The the only thing better is this the panel of after he does and they're like running off and he's like pulling him behind him, like the excited look on the two of their faces. <laughs> so it's like Thelma and Louise, but boys. Yeah. <laughs> it's Elmo and Lewis, right? There you go. Ah, um, uh, well done. Uh, there we go. Uh, let's see. Uh, something else that was well done this week, and actually probably one of my favorite Marvel titles. Um, uh, this week was none other than Uncanny X-Men number, was it 33, I believe? Yes, uh, Uncanny X-Men number 33, and this one comes to us from uh, Brian Michael Bendis and uh, Christopher Anka on the uh, art, which is just absolutely gorgeous all the way through. And we get a uh, we get a two-lady gal pal adventure uh, with none other then Kitty Pride and Magic, Ileana Rasputin, as they j- travel to Monster Island to track down another mutant. And, um, God, I, when Bendis is on, when it's, when it's he's writing, on. it is yeah. so good. Like, yeah. ah. and, and after having such kind of like a murky run of X-Men comics through all new and uncanny as of late, like, this was such a pleasant, like, when... Kitty basically pouts and tells Magic that she's not going to help and just phases herself through everything. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. This is like, perfect characterization for spunky Kitty Pride, you know? Like, so good. Uh, I love the line, why are we here? Is there an In-N-Out burger? I know, uh, I put that, that down. Was, that's a fucking great line. Uh, yeah, you know I they live in New York? Yeah. Uh, actually, <laughs> I lives in California. On the East Coast, or is that the one, right? the San Francisco one? They're the the they would be the San Francisco branch most just recently. Kidding, then. Oh, like, yeah. I was just like, hold on. I love this more than words can say because she's literally speaking the words of my heart right now. But like, she's um, <laughs> I love that Ben and this set up the in, the entire thing to happen on Monster Island because uh, it's a far underutilized uh, setting in the Marvel U, and I mean, most people forget it exists all the time. Yeah. Uh, but just the dynamic between Kitty and Magic was great the whole time. And it's like you said, Andy, like when Bendis is on, like when he's on, no one can touch him when it comes to dialogue. Like, perfect example. Um, Kitty asks Ileana, like one of the first pages, I think it might be the first page or something. She says, what is wrong with you? And Ileana's response is, I was raised in a hellish dimension by a demon. Like, 
I think she actually says that like twice within the comic too. Yeah. yeah. Like we're all or I watched all my friends and mentors die. <laughs> so fucking uh, good. Yeah. And then and then the the mutant that we get to meet, Bo, is she's got some interesting crazy powers that we don't know. You know, how I don't understand. Does she turn into the giant Shaggy Man, or is that Sha- Shaggy Man behind her? Right, the Shaggy Man's just behind her. He's just a dentist. Okay, so she has some weird, like red shit shooting out of her body. Some yeah. kind of like ribbons that like stop them <laughs> is like the only word I can think of. I heard someone's. Uh, I well, not heard. I read someone say that it was kind of like a. Um, like a jellyfish, you know, it's like stingers and they mm. like paralyze like um, people and their abilities or whatever. It's kind of cool. Uh, but they but they end up bringing her back to uh, to the Jean Grey school and uh, you and know we get to see a super sweet moment with Storm acting like a mama bear. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god. And who immediately says, "You're my new favorite student." Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I died. Yeah, that panel of of Bo and Aurora meeting and her. You so beautiful. Oh, oh God, Bo, you speak it like you speak the fucking truth, girl. But uh, and then I love when Magic tells her she's about to tell her, "Welcome to the X Men. I hope you survive," which is the classic like X Men line. Yeah, and then she just gets in and she hugs her and is like, "You'll do great." It was just an adorable comic through and through. Like it makes me sad sometimes that we don't get Chris Anka like on every single issue of Uncanny. Like there's been a couple of issues here and there where um, we've had a different artist on there, but. Uh, man, Chris Ronka is just uh, so good. I love so it. Good. Uh, Anka, and I loved when I even loved when Chris Botchelo was doing it at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I really like both their art, and you can tell this is just kind of like a feel good like comic. And it's uh, once again, it's ra- it's a wrap up. It's just kind of like wrapping up everything. Like they're just it's filler till Secret Wars. Yeah. No, and, and that you know, it's like they don't even tell you where fucking Kitty and uh, and Ileana are coming from. It's just like, yep, uh, <laughs> just, uh, you know, episode in the middle there. We do get to see, um, you know, just a bit of some of the other X Men. You know, just like a moment with Kurt and um, and Aurora. But for the most part, it's just Gal Pal saving this other mutant time, which is great. And mm-hmm. Please more Bendis. Please, please, more. Uh, next up from Boom Comics, uh, or Boom Studios, that is, uh, we have issue number 13 of Lumberjanes. As usual, Noelle Stevenson and uh, Brooke Allen did the cover, and I'm terrible with information here. But uh, Lumberjanes number 13 uh, did come out this week. We've talked about Lumberjanes in the past, and it's just... Really, Shannon Wa- Shannon Waters is the uh, is the artist on the on Lumberjanes, and uh, we get to see Joe, April, Molly, Mal, Ripley, Jen, and Rosie. Um, have a great time. It's, a, it's an origin story. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's the tale of how they all met at camp, right? Yeah, yeah. It's and it's nice to see them kind of early on, you know, um, a little flashbacky kind of thing. So, I love. I just fucking love Lumberjanes. Um, and I think, I mean, cause just, we were just talking about Marvel and everything. I think one of the main reasons I really, truly enjoy Lumberjanes is there's no crisis. There's no crossovers. There's no, 
like ending universe and like i mean that happens in the image books too but image is a little darker like this comic is truly like i mean that uncanny x-men issue i love it but it's like a one-off i don't get those every every time that there's a new uncanny x-men um yeah, but like lumberjanes i can always brooding. yeah the circle trick of sadness um so <laughs> just the fact that like something like this exists where i can just go into it and like literally the whole time i'm i'm like smiling the entire time i'm reading it because it's so bright and colorful and cheery and just so fun to read uh that's the main and and it's good like that's the main part is that it's all those things and it's genuinely good i just fucking love the lumberjanes it's been a a wonderful uh new addition to like the comic book roster and Man, I mean, I think we mentioned it with what we had Noel Stevenson on was the Thor annual. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She wrote one of the stories for the Thor annual. So, God, so good. Um, I hope that we can continue to get more wonderful things from from Lumberjanes and more from Boom Comics. Like it's another publisher that has a handful of comics that are just fantastic. Uh, special note: uh, apparently. Uh, Brooke Allen said that the official name for fans of the series is Lumber Jumbies. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's almost great... as cute as the people who make it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, so if you guys uh, have a need for some adorable gal pal camp stories... Uh, that's the place. That's the place to go. Um, <laughs> we, we absolutely love Lumberjanes number thirteen. Speaking of, I guess like different publishers, this one's a little bit different of a story, and that's because uh, this week from Archie Comics we got a brand new number one, and it is Archie versus Predator. Uh, oh no, no, from Dark Horse. Dark Horse. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. The ne- Just want to make it is. They're borrowing from Archie, but. Yeah, I made that mistake, and then I felt like an idiot. So. Yeah, no, and <laughs> actually, as I was like typing, I was searching for a link for this issue, and found out that it was a Dark Horse comic. Uh, so yeah, uh, we finally got Archer versus Predator uh, number one. And Ryan, I know this was something that you really, you know, were excited about more than anything else. Um, more well, uh, yeah. Than the rest of us. I don't know what it's Alex DeCampi on writing. Fernando Ruiz on pencils? Yeah. Yeah, and then Rich Kozlowski on inks. Okay. Uh, um, I don't know what happened with Archie Comics, but someone in the last two years, like, their, like the editor came in and was like, you know what, we're going to do this shit for real. Like, we're going to be, like, a real goddamn comic book publisher. And, like, as much as Archie has been, like, Archie's kind of a staple just because it's, like, always there, you know? Like, everyone knows what Archie is, and it exists as, like, the perennial, like, fun time comic book. Like with the entire afterlife with Archie series that was launched. And they're also launching their like superhero comic book line. Um, I believe the first issue of the Fox came out this week as well, which I didn't get to read. Um, and I know this is dark horse comics because predator is owned by dark horse, but realistically, like when it comes down to it, it's an Archie comic because, um, the Archie comics line is like lending their character to the predator franchise. Um, it's just a smart move and it's so, ridiculously out of place that it makes it so much more fun. Um, the entire comic is pretty ridiculous that they end up on like a tropical island and like normal Archie like uh, hijinks ensue basically just like with Veronica and Betty fighting over Archie um, and then the I forget the um, Cheryl and like her brother I forget their names like the rich kids like they're kind of spoil everyone's fun and then it just takes this turn where like 
Uh, Betty and Veronica start fighting each other, and the Predator is watching through his fucking infrared, and it's got all these, like, crazy emojis going on. And um, it ends up, like, they end up ripping their costumes, so they basically look like commandos. Uh, And then the best, the absolute best page in the entire comic is page 21. When Predator is watching them from a tree, and he is holding a person's spine in one hand, and there are two yeah. people, there are two people hanging from the tree, just completely gutted. And it looks so weird in an Archie comic, but the best part is like they don't change the art style; like they keep the <laughs> art and the tone the same. So it looks completely out of place, but in the best way possible, and it ends up just being like ridiculously enjoyable. It's just funny because. Like, the creative team on here is just so ridiculous. Like, even just looking at the Dark Horse, like, solicit that's up, it's, like, uh, from Alex DeCampi, and then it has, the credits are Grindhouse and My Little Pony. So, you know, it's yeah. about the same thing. Uh, um, Ro- Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, um, he took over as CCO. Um, <laughs> sorry, yeah. Um, he so t- white. Yeah, so white. I know, I know. Um, he took over as CCO for Archie Comics, uh, and he was the one who launched the Afterlife with Archie Comics. And he also, like, he wrote the Townded Dreaded Sundown movie, uh, the, like, the reboot that was incredibly dark and grim. So, like, he is definitely trying to bring that into the Archie universe, and he's making it work uh, with everything that he's been doing. Because he was, like, the one that pushed this project really hard. Um, and then also, page 25, the last page of the comic, is a one page of Sabrina meets Hellboy. <laughs> which is just fucking awesome. Because he's there to talk to Salem. I like that they're doing that kind of, like, crossover within the Dark Horse comics and stuff. So... And I mean that's the perfect to- perfect place for us to talk about Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is uh, out this week from the uh, Archie Comics, uh, from Archie Comics, from the uh, what the hell's wrong with me? Uh, and uh, we got issue two this week, and this one gives us Sabrina the Teenage Witch in the uh, the universe of Afterlife with Archie, which was surprisingly good. Yeah, I fucking love these comics. Uh, it's been six months since we got the last Sabrina. I think it's been about that long since we got a new Afterlife with Archie. Um, I just I really love these comics because they take something that was built in this like fun- fundamentally like wholehearted goodness, and then they're just like, "What's up? It's all about like real witchcraft, and this lady has skulls for eyeballs, and there's a bunch of fucking nudity everywhere, and you get to see Sabrina like scantily clad, and there's lions literally ripping people apart. Um, and it's like, especially Afterlife with Archie is awesome, and it's all zombies, which I'm super played out on, but the way they do it still makes it really enjoyable. And it introduced all these like incest overtones in the comic, and there's totally like lesbians and like like a bunch of sexual overtones um and sabrina does the same thing but it stays like whereas archie is always been like an archetype of just like like how much of a sexual fucking like jungle high school is um (laughs) sabrina like really just plays on her archetypes of like she was always like this happy-go-lucky witch but this deals like with her real like witchcraft and it gets super dark into like heavy paganism and it's fucking awesome crazy it's awesome to see like um them go deep i know we had talked about it with like the hellboy comics as well that you know it's awesome to see them kind of go deep on those kind of out there you know alternative 
like yeah the the kind of stories i guess yeah like going deep into like cthulhu and like all that stuff like anytime that you deal with uh with like cult mythology and stuff like that that's always like a really interesting place and it's like you said it's awesome to see them take sabrina the fucking teenage witch into a universe where that those things uh go on so yeah, so I mean, we've said it before. I haven't said it in a while, like I said, because it's been like six or six months since we've had um, any of these Afterlife with Archie comics. But if you get a chance, go read them. The first trade for Afterlife with Archie is available, um, and they're all up on Comicsology, so you can pick them up whenever. Uh, but don't let like the Archie tagline fool you. These are very dark, adult, very grim comics, and they're they still somehow manage to hold like the fun of the original Archie comics. <laughs> Uh, so it's definitely like worth the time. Yeah, it's a nice little like bonus kind of, you know. It's it, at, at first it was something that like I was really surprised about when you first talked about the Afterlife with Archie comics, and I kind of like looked at the whole thing. But there's a handful of great releases in there. So if you guys are looking for um, you know some other comics, do it, do it, do it, do it. It's very, <laughs> very good. Uh, let's see, we've got a couple more comics this week to talk about. Uh, the first that I wanted to talk about is none other than Run, Love, Kill. This one is uh, straight out of Image Comics, and it is a uh, number one. John Sway and Eric Canete are on the uh, writing and art, uh, respectively, although uh, Eric Canete is also credited on the writing. Ryan mentioned it at the beginning of the the recording when we were before we were actually on recording that like he had heard good things about the art but not so great things about the story and yeah i mean the first six or seven pages or panels have absolutely no dialogue and they are just simply gorgeous there's so much motion and like the color palette that's being used and all of the different parts of this book are absolutely gorgeous I, I can't get enough of it. It seems like there's some kind of technocratic overlord that has everyone owing them money, and eventually people can get out because it's like run by the mob or something. I don't know. But it's got some cool vehicle design that's going on, and the art just looks super good. I have a strict uh, two dystopian few uh, at a time. So, just out two, of my realm. Just two dystopian future comics yeah. is enough for you? Yeah, so now give you're me... you're more than that now, aren't you? Uh, give me Bitch Planet and... Uh, do I have any more? Yeah, there we go. Chrononauts is not dystopian future. Nah. It is fucked up chronal anomaly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's Miller World. It's something totally different, right? Huh? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Huh? That's huh? Right. <laughs> yeah, the so like... you were searching for was so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, the uh, this this one from Image is. I don't know if I'll end up staying. I'll, I'll read the next one, just because this art is too good. Um, actually, it's very when, pretty to look at. Yeah, when I when I was reading this, I actually got reminded of uh, the terrible video game Brink. Uh, which, uh, again, had a good art style and it looked good, but was absolutely horrible at its core. So um, maybe this is also the same, but uh, Run, Love, Kill, uh, all one word and all capitals for some reason. Don't know about that. But the last comic that I want to talk about was also from Image this week, and that would be uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips bringing us The Fade Out, which uh, I don't know, I, I know you guys 
I think it was Ryan. You said you'd read it at one point, but not all the way through. Uh, I think I started it, and I think Kel started yeah. it too. It's like yeah. I didn't read the it's last like issue. It's like fifties crime novel, essentially. Uh, Who's is it? Brubaker? Brubaker, yeah, Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, yeah, and uh, yeah. Elizabeth Breitweiser is doing the, uh, and it basically takes place during a time when, um, like, uh, during like McCarthyism and Hollywood blacklisting, and it it just deals with a lot of, it, it's part murder mystery, part period piece, part wonderfully written Ed Brubaker novel, so. Um, like I, I've been having a great time reading the comic all the way through, and um, I, I like where I like where it's going. So hopefully, um, this comic will continue to be amazing. So no one writes crime like Ed Brubaker. So I mean, he's pretty much the master of it at this point. Everything he's ever, even his Captain America run, was fucking fantastic, and he somehow turned that comic into like a crime espionage story. So I have complete faith in pretty much everything he touches in that genre. Yeah, it almost kind of feels to me like, um, like, like LA Confidential to some degree. Oh my god! Um, oh but my that, god. but that might also just be like the time period and you know the 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 costumes and outfits that they put everyone in. Um, but it's, but it's, you know, it's very old timey, and God, like Brubaker, his writing is so spot on, like. He transitions from like inner dialogue to like full on like banter to like violent conversation just so well. Mm-hmm. Especially at a time when sometimes we get comics that, you know, have great art but terrible writing or great writing but substandard art. It's nice to see this kind of all run together. Um Sean Phillips's art reminds me a bit of the old like Rocketeer comics, um, from like way fucking back in the day. Uh, I wonder if Sean Phillips actually did a run on it. But anyways, uh, if you guys are looking for, you know, gritty crime novel, The Fade Out, number five, came out this week from Image, and it is definitely worth a look. Uh, you can easily get caught back up, whether digitally or in paper, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so is there anything else that I think we might have left behind here? I think we hit it all. Yeah, I think we... yeah there was a lot, but yeah, we got We had a, a full week of comics and... Uh, everything else going on. So uh, thank you guys, as usual, for listening to the show. If you guys want to find us on iTunes, we are Two Guys, A Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast on iTunes. If you guys are looking for us on Instagram or on Twitter, we're at 2G1GTalkComics. We'd really love a uh, follow or even just, like, tweeting us and telling us that we're the best or the worst or an (laughs) average podcast. Uh, But don't tell us we're the worst or average, just the best. (laughs) Yeah, because then Ryan and I will just get real bad self-esteem issues. <laughs> and mine will continue <laughs> yeah, to grow real. terrible. Uh, but uh, <laughs> once again, guys, thank you so much for listening to the show this week. Uh, next week we'll have some more wonderful comic news and uh, reviews for you. If you guys uh, haven't had a chance, like we said, please follow us on iTunes or subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter and uh, also on Instagram as usual. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next time. To stay up to date with the cast, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 2G1GTalkComics. Or if you'd like to email the show directly, you can do so at twoguysandagirltalkcomics at gmail.com. 
You can find more episodes of the podcast at twoguysandagirltalkcomics.podbean.com or by following us on iTunes where we're Two Guys, A Girl, and A Comic Book Podcast. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next week.